0: Welcome to St. Vincent de Paul Louisville's podcast with arms wide open. I'm your host, Executive Director and CEO Dave Kelsey. St. Vincent de Paul Louisville serves individuals and families in need, including those who are houseless, living in poverty, suffering from addiction, enduring mental illness or experiencing acute economic crisis. Founded in 1853, St. Vincent de Paul Louisville houses feeds and supports those most in need with compassion and dignity. Our podcast focuses on important matters related to our mission and will include a diverse and interesting group of guests covering a multitude of topics. Today's guest is Janet, a valued volunteer for St. Vincent de Paul and former client. Welcome, Janet.
1: Thank you for it, having
0: me. It, it's just it, thank you for being here. It's just wonderful to, to see honor. to see again. Yeah, great. It's, it's a, well, a it's an honor. honor. It's it, it's an honor to have you, and thank you for taking the time to sit down with us and, and share your story. You know, it's important. I I believe it's really important for us to hear all sorts of uh, stories and have all sorts of folks come on here and 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 be our guests. And you're especially an honored guest, being a, just a wonderful volunteer for us. Uh, and also having lived experience being a former client uh, here at St. Vincent de Paul. So I'd love to for you to share with us. your Tell us a little bit about yourself, your sure. story.
1: Well, my name's Janet. I was born and raised here in Louisville. I uh, was raised Catholic, went to Catholic grade school and high school. And all my life I'd had mental illness. And um, especially schizophrenia, bipolar and various things. And mental illness was quite different, was looked at quite differently, especially in the 60s and 70s and even early to mid-80s or so. The treatments, a lot of diagnoses you couldn't be diagnosed with until you were like, quote adult and so on and so forth. But I had very, very strong parents. Um, I was told not to put me in a regular school. And my parents were like, you know, she's smart. She can do this. And so I had very, I was very, very, very fortunate having the parents I had. It was a struggle. Uh, God rest their souls. I'm sure there was plenty of times they wanted to just do something. But very, very strong family values. Very, very strong family leadership. And my parents were very, very proactive for me in mental health and all that. Um as time went on, as my parents got older and my dad passed away and then, you know, my mother, I, when after she passed away, I just like, I don't need medicine. What's medicine? I feel fine. And it's it's kind of a lot of people with mental illness or allergies or anything, you know, if you're not having, quote, symptoms or you're not perceiving yourself of having symptoms, you're like, I don't need medicine. Well, you know, you can buy yourself a day, you can buy yourself a week. But before you know it, you're not even aware that you are like so far gone. It's just not good. So um, I was in a relationship which turned out to be, uh, I ended up having to go to prison over um, for domestic violence and so forth. I'm not proud of it. It's just the way it is. You know, I didn't need medicine. Everybody's telling me to take my medicine. I was like, you're crazy. You take your medicine. Leave me alone. So the moral of the story is, in short, when I got out of prison, uh, the prison actually even gave me a mental inquest warrant because they didn't because in prison, I'm like, I'm being punished. I'm not taking medicine in prison. So the entire time I was in prison, I would not take medicine and uh, so they gave me an MIW. And then it's like I realized, hey, you know what? I never realized how much my mom, in particularly my mom, because she stayed home, you know, she didn't work, did for me. I had just like an awakening. It's like, oh, my gosh, I really can't do this. And it's like I was given a second chance. I had to uh, go to get mental health services and take my medicine. I had to be tested, making sure I was taking my medicine uh, because I had a history of not doing that. And when I got out of Central State, it's like I had like nowhere to go. It's like I was an only child. My parents are already gone. No siblings. No. I've, I've got cousins, but they were like distant cousins. It's like, well, this is like a reality. Mom's not here to talk to the police or we'll take care of her or it's like well this is on me now this is even heavier than i ever thought
0: hey Jan- janet let me let me interrupt sure. just one second here and i and i and i see you got your U of L hat uh-huh. on here today and uh don't hold it against me but i went to uk hey. okay. <laughs> okay yeah but but i but i but i know that you you want to cu- i mean so we're talking about a time frame here that you struggled with the challenges yes. that you're yes. talking about you ended up you know, in prison, but you went to college. Yes, I mean, you you I know, you the support. Awesome
1: on academic scholarship. Yeah. Tell it's us a,
0: and then had a career.
1: I, when I was in high school, I went to speed school as part of the inspire program. Um, and then I decided I just wasn't cut out to be an engineer. So I switched over to finance business in particular finance. And, uh, I you know, I was able to do it and maintained uh like I think like a three seven or three eight, maintained it all on scholarship. When I was working at national. what used to be first National Bank, then it went to National City. I uh was taking eighteen to twenty one credit hours and all the advisors were like, You can't do that, you can't do that and it works full time. It's like don't challenge me because you say I can't, I will. And uh yeah, I did it and I was like the geeky student.
0: Yeah, right. You know, but yeah. yeah. But but who would have known? I mean, you know, when you were in it, banking. Exactly. But who would have known that you had the challenges that
1: right.
0: you had, right? Right. I well, mean.
1: People assume people with mental illness are of low intelligence or whatever. And there's not a correlation between the two. Uh, you know, unless you have maybe one or two diagnoses. Mental illness doesn't have anything to do with your intellect or whatever. It's totally separate. In my case, my parents knew that, and they pushed and advocated for me. A lot of times, I think the overlap comes in is because parents, society, they just don't want to deal with the discipline problems of a person with that. And, in fact, my mom was at my grade school every single day um, doing uh, volunteer work in the event that I needed, so I mean, so it,
0: she it, knew, so she knew that she needed to be there, yes, and so yes. volunteered so that she.
1: Yes, could- yeah, and it was all hush hush because if anybody knew, I mean, it's it's the stigma that went with the times. Uh, I mean, you know, well, you know, we don't want my our kids in the classroom with your kid, you know what I'm saying? So the stigma was very very negative back in those days.
0: Well, I, 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 I hear you. And I, you know, my, um, my wife's, uh, brother, uh, God rest his soul. He's, he's gone now. Uh, but you know, he was, uh, had autism mm-hmm. and, and it was, you know, it, it, it was just presumed when he was in school that he was just a bad kid, right? right. but he wasn't a bad kid. Right. He was just, he was just challenged with right. the issue of being autistic, and it just wasn't recognized back in the 60s exactly. and 70s. Exactly. Yeah, but he was extremely intelligent and, and lived a great life, but it was tough there early on exactly. for him. So I can understand where you're coming from. Right. But that, I mean, God bless your parents, it sounds like, right? <laughs> I, I mean, they're looking kid. down on you right now. I know. Yeah.
1: But, you know, if it wasn't for them... You know, I would not be here right
0: now. Yeah, yeah. I
1: really would not be here right now.
0: So talk to us about, so you so you, you were released from prison. Yes. And you, tell us now about kind well,
1: of... I went from prison straight to Central State. And Central State, there was an umbrella under uh, almost my... Family and Children's Place at that point in time. It's not in existence anymore, that umbrella. Um, and they helped homeless people that were incarc- incarcerated or coming out of a mental institution. And they were like, well, you know, we can go and help you get housing at St. Vincent. And I was like, yeah, right. I'm Catholic. I think I know about St. Vincent of Paul. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, let me just jump through these hoops, to entertain you, because... You know, when I walk out of here, I don't have a place to go. And you keep saying I do. Well, I was so wrong because St. Vincent does have housing. And I was under the misguided ideas that they, you know, were just to help with bills, food, you know, rent, whatever. Exactly, exactly. And um, so I went and I lived at Robert Tall. Uh, which is off campus, part of, it's a SRO basis, basically, um, part of uh, St. Vincent de Paul. And I was like, oh my God, I really look like the idiot now, you know, because, you know, here I am and I never knew this. And um, it was really good for me, but I eventually moved to Tranquil, which was more um, for the people with mental illness, And uh, it served me a little bit better than, not that Roberts Hall didn't, but uh, I, you know, I'm kind of uh, a hermit on sometimes, and sometimes I'm like the social butterfly, but I need my own space, you know, and I don't do well day in and day out sharing everything.
0: Well, and uh, Tranquil, you have your own unit with your own restaurant. You have, it's it's a single bedroom. Yeah. yeah.
1: A partner work. Roberts Hall, it was just... Bedroom and everything was shared other than your bedroom. Um, and I am so grateful, so, 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 so grateful for having a nice, decent, safe place to call my own uh, when I did not even know it even was a potential. Uh, you know, the staff, the services, uh, volunteer opportunities, uh, you know, I can stay in my apartment all day long, twenty four seven, seven days a week, if I wanted to, or I can come out and volunteer or sit on the patio, porch, courtyard, whatever you want to call it, socialize. I can come and I mean, it was just—it's exactly what I—I—I I, I could not have dreamt of anything better, honestly, one hundred percent, for my position.
0: T- t- tell us about the—you know—here at Saint Vincent de Paul, we. um uh you know really focus on case management mm-hmm. and the advocacy and support yes. tell us about it because you, you're calling out you know in, in some of the things that i've seen here uh the case managers and how they work with you and said yeah there is opportunities here what is it in your own words what is the importance of uh, of a, a good case manager and what that means
1: well every person is unique and what works for one may not work for another but for me i need to have that checks and balances. Uh, you know, uh, I needed that. Uh, hey, you know, I have to meet this person once a month. Hey, I have to have you know. It's that accountability, uh, that structure, that uh, because I'm very big on like structure and stuff, and having that versus just being free to do whatever 24 seven. Well, not you have freedom to come and go, but as far as accountability goes, you have to report to somebody each month. You have to see somebody each month. You have to tell them what you're doing, what you're working on. You know, you have to prove that your bills, whatever, are being met, paid, food. You have, like, uh, a checkpoint you have to meet. And, uh, you know, that that's really good for me because it keeps you on target, keeps you... Up to date keeps you current and it prevents things from. In my case, if I don't take medicine, well, I have to see these people, I can't not be taking medicine because right. they're gonna know I'm not taking medicine. So it kind of keeps me in particular in check, and I'm sure the same for many other people also. Uh, but that's why it worked out so well for me, you know. And it basically, you know, if I was pretty independent and I had uh, case managers from my mental health side also. Um, but things that you weren't aware of as for social services, uh, medical transportation, um, this and that, that changes all the time. Cause you know, unless you're working in those fields, it's hard to keep up with what's available in a given calendar year.
0: It's like a full-time job, just keeping exactly. up with all the stuff. That so, you,
1: you know, it's good to have somebody that's row is to be more tuned in, uh, to those because, you know, um. You know, the Internet's all great and fine, but, you know, there's so much fake news out there or, you know, so on and so forth. So it's good to have somebody that's on point, on task with what's available. You know, food stamps are changing or this that's coming up or you can do this now or you can get, you know, even like gift cards for using your insurance. You know, if you're on Medicaid and Medicare and stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's somebody that keeps you informed. Making sure you're on target and together, you know, everything keeps moving forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, I could see you know, you can build strong relationships and friendships yes, as well very much so. with the, with, very with, much so. with, with the, and, and I know vice versa with the case managers and the clients, very right. close relationships, right. right? Yeah, yeah, we think it's extremely important and, and we're so thankful that we're able to provide also that. Support as well as the mental health right. counseling services that, that we provide in substance abuse.
1: Right. Uh, well, I think one of the best things about it, too, is because you have a smaller caseload, because something like Tranquil only had 12 people. And granted, the case manager might be over more than one housing unit, but it's still a small enough caseload that they know you and your behaviors and what's normal for you. And if there's a change, it's not like they've got, you know, 300 caseloads and... Yeah. somebody's going to slip through the cracks so it's uh it's just a nice it's a it's like a safety net
0: yeah right right let's, let's shift gears a little bit I, I know you love to volunteer and yes. you've been a valued volunteer here on on our campus in many different ways tell us about that and also i think even outside of st vincent de paul you've had experiences in volunteering yes.
1: I've, I've all my parents uh were not the type of parent that say what i do or you know uh do what I say, not what I do. My parents, anything they taught, they did. And my parents were both very big on giving back to society, giving back to whatever they were involved in at the point in time. So it was, I mean, it was like even going to like a soup kitchen on Thanksgiving Day, my family used to do as a uh, as a family, you know. I mean, so... I was raised with that kind of inbred in me, and you know, I I get bored very easily. And when I'm bored, it's not a good thing. So, when I lived on campus here, I was involved in the advisory council, which is made up of residents, uh, to bring up ideas, suggestions, information or to gather the same, to give back to people in your own housing area. Um, but it's because, you know, uh, you never you never really know what the needs are until somebody says, hey, we need to have something like this. So it, it's kind of a, a good little step between staff and clients to have that. Um, and so, I, you know, I really enjoy being on that council. Um but also, I volunteer, and I thought I would do it, like, I'll go for about a week, and it's not going to work out, but with the after-school program, and so I said, yeah, you know, sure, I'll do it, and then it's like, I went, and okay, well, maybe I'll try a second week, because, you know, maybe I just had a really good week or something. Well, you know, it's been six or whatever years later, and I was doing it every single day, and including the summer programs. And, uh, you know, I love kids, working with kids, and I do the front desk. So I check kids in, open the doors, because the doors obviously are kept locked. And it's good to have somebody consistent like that, because especially in this day and time, you need to know who's picking the kids up, because, you know, there could be a divorced or estranged parent, or whatever, you know, so it's good to have that consistency without having to ask every single person that comes to the door, can I see your ID? can I, you know, this way I know exactly who can pick up what kid or whatnot. Um, And I love working with the kids and giving them their color sheets and all that kind of stuff and helping some with homework. But at the same time, with it being volunteer, you know, if I can't do it, they can't fire me. I just like, you know julio i just can't come in today or whatever and uh you know so you know but i really miss it i really miss it on days i can't come or in between like christmas breaks or whatever i really look forward to it it gives me something positive to do some busy work to do and uh i've also helped them streamline some of their uh, paperwork make it more automated for them. so it wasn't all this manual stuff like when i first went in um, so, you know, hopefully it's been beneficial to them too.
0: So, you saw, it's interesting. So, 65, you said okay, I started and six years later, still involved. You saw before COVID, yes. during COVID, and after. Yes. You all, from, and, and so a lot of that was going on obviously before I came on right, board. Right. From what I understand, we did a heck of a good job during COVID, keeping yes. kids on task. Tell us right. a little bit about. Well, during uh,
1: are- NTI in particular, um, instead of having typically everybody would come, depending on what time their particular school gets out, would come usually by four thirty and stay till seven. During NTI and during the heavy part of COVID, instead of having the the large group there. They would, well, they would kind of match, they tried to match them up by grades, but also by families, um, where like maybe six or eight kids might come at one time slot, six or eight more kids might come in a different time slot, so we would be open basically the same amount of time, but just not for the entire group, and they would be spaced out Um, and they'd be doing their NTI work and or age-appropriate work if they didn't have any that we would provide for them. Uh, But, you know, we had to do it that way. We didn't have the extracurriculars during that time, obviously, because we didn't have the, well, other vendors, vendor sources weren't allowing their companies to come in but also you know you can't do like an extracurricular for hey there's four kids so you know a lot of that was different a lot of that's still different and who knows how much back to normal it'll ever ever truly be but you know it was really good because you know uh, some of the kids didn't have computers or not enough to go around or their parents are working or their parents are working from home and you know, they're trying to do the same hours as their kids are online. So it was it really worked out well.
0: Yeah. Well, I heard we kept the kids on grade level and, yeah, and, and did a heck so of a good them. job. So you're a big okay. part of that.
1: I hope so. Yeah.
0: No, there's no doubt that, that, that you were. So, uh, so, uh, so it is it's, yeah. it's a challenge. Well, it is, and it continues to be. And and certainly, uh, you know, that part of, of, of what we do in the programming is so important to the kids. Right, right. And not just the kids that live here on campus, but in the neighborhood. Sure. Yeah, so the importance of giving back—you obviously give back, you know—and and I and sometimes you also hear about for our own mental well-being.
1: Yes,
0: volunteering and giving back is one of yes. the best antidotes. Yes,
1: well, you know, it gives me something productive to do with my time. It gives me something, you know, that's positive, uh, meaningful. You know, I I have to take a lot of breaks, which is one reason I volunteer versus you know work because I I can't. I just need breaks. I can't do it. And I'm like, Julio, I'm going outside for a little bit. Or if it gets too crazy, I'm like, okay, I'll see you in a few minutes, you know. But that's just the way I work, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just the way it is. And volunteering gives me that because, you know, if I was like a a paid staff person, well, like, you know, you've had three breaks in the last hour. You can't do that, you know what I'm saying? So this gives me the opportunity to work the way that I have to in my own. Limits, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. and uh, But, you know, it's productive. You know, I've got the ability and skills to do things. I try to give back. I, you know, I can't say enough for St. Vincent and Paul. And, you know, it was perfect because uh, I'm a paranoid schizophrenic, and when I was on campus, it's like I could still see my apartment through the door. Mm. So, you know, there was like a peace of mind there. Yeah. Um, So, you know, but it it's good because I just... You know, I can't give monetarily because I just am not there being on disability and so forth. But, you know, I think volunteers sometimes can even be more important than, like, people that just, well, here's a check, you know. Because it's, it's, it's somebody that truly is doing it for the right reason, you know. And if I didn't like doing it, if I didn't take value in doing it, I would not have done it for this many years. Trust and believe
0: that. Right. Well, Janet, we're indebted to, to you and, and, and making available your talent and and your time, but most importantly, your passion for this organization. And, and, and not just on the advisory board, but obviously with the kids. Uh, we're a better organization because of the time that you spend with us. And I, I we're indebted it. to you for that.
1: Well, you know, I just don't have enough because, I mean, I don't know where I would be right now. If it wasn't for Saint Vincent, so there's, there's not enough I can do to give back what I feel towards Saint Vincent, and all in hundred percent being there.
0: Well, thank you for all that you do, and thank you for thanks, thanks for taking the time to sit down and talk thank to us.
1: Thank you for all that you all do for all of us.
0: Okay, thank you, Janet.
1: You're listening to Arms Wide Open, a monthly podcast
0: by Saint Vincent de Paul de Louisville. We look forward to speaking with you next month.